I saw this amazing scene uh, in Central Park recently, near the corner of uh, Central Park West and 72nd, early in the morning. A hawk was perched on a park bench. Now, I've seen hawks in trees in Central Park. It's always a thrill. But I'd never seen a hawk just sitting there on the park bench like any other New Yorker early in the morning. <laughs> the hawk seemed fidgety. That, too, is not unusual for any creature that calls New York home. All of us are fidgety. And if you're a hawk and have lived here long enough, you too will become fidgety. The city makes us that way. But the hawk kept on looking underneath the bench as if it was watching something. And sure enough, under the bench railings, I noticed a nervous squirrel. It knew very well that the hawk was perched right above him, perched on the bench, waiting for the moment to swoop in and have breakfast, downed with the last drops, drops of that Starbucks coffee that was discarded in the nearby trash can. It's probably what drew the hawk to this squirrel when there are thousands of other squirrels in Central Park. This squirrel was resting near a discarded latte. <laughs> Our hawks drink lattes. That's nature for New Yorkers. We have wildlife too. We've got nature here. It's just different and more sophisticated. Remember that during the primaries, Senator Cruz, I saw he uh, endorsed Donald Trump today, but at the time he didn't really like Donald Trump. And uh, he seemed to suggest something derogatory about New York values. So for his benefit, New York nature is akin to New York values. It's civilized, manicured, and contained. That's how we like nature in this city. The squirrel kept on running under the benches, under the wood and under the railings, so that the hawk couldn't get to him. From time to time, the hawk would fly onto a nearby tree, as if to the, say to the squirrel, I've left, I'll find something else to eat. But the squirrel would have none of it. Forget about it, it signaled in that New York kind of way. The squirrel kept on running frantically under the row of benches. And when it peeked its head out from above the benches and took a step on the walking path, it heard the flutter and the rustle of the hawk's wings and rushed back under the protection of the park bench. This went on for about 10 minutes. And I came upon these prototypical New Yorkers in the middle of their unfolding altercation. Ultimately, sensing a brief opening, the squirrel dashed from under the bench and onto the grass where it could hide at least temporarily near a tree. And since in New York, 
All living creatures are in perpetual motion, constantly rushing somewhere. The hawk didn't have any more time for the squirrel, and I didn't have any more time for the hawk. I needed to get to the mikvah for a conversion. To the best of my knowledge, that hawk never ate that squirrel. You might call it a New York miracle. You might call it just nature, New York style, saved by a pedestrian. But if I were that squirrel, it might have caused me to reflect more on fate and faith, destiny, and predetermination. I think that squirrel was probably religious anyway, given the circumstances that I witnessed. That rodent came within an inch of its life. You could say that there, under the Central Park bench, that squirrel was benching. <laughs> For all of you who didn't grow up Jewish, benching in Yiddish means something like blessing or praying. We're a little more than a week away from the High Holy Days. I was inspired by the benching squirrel and the Central Park hawk, a bird of prey after all, to think about praying, blessing, and faith. New York has a lot of faith, too. First, even in the conventional sense, faith is not foreign to the big city. Senator Cruz back then was simply bloviating populism. We have God in New York. Practically every corner of our city, on every single corner, there is a church or a synagogue or increasingly a mosque, and we have many temples of Eastern religions. And second, for even those of us who do not define ourselves as religious, we still worship. Everyone worships. Some of us worship youth. There is an entire religion of youth in America, replete with institutions and institutional bureaucracies, high priests, and rituals, and even tithing expectations, multi-billion dollar industries sell us the illusion of perpetual youth. And some people spend at least 10% of their income on this religion. Youth, youth, there is nothing in the world but youth, said Lord Henry to Dorian Gray. Some of us worship beauty. There's an entire religion of beauty in America, replete with institutions and institutional bureaucracies, high priests, rituals, and even tithing expectations. Go to the cosmetics counter at Bloomingdale's and tell me that the fortune that people spend on skin creams is not evidence of intense, perhaps even blind faith.
Some of us worship fame. Some of us worship fortune. Some of us worship power. Some of us worship science and technology. Some of us worship the God of nothing, atheism, as fervently as the most religious of souls. Let us not delude ourselves. There is not a person in the world who does not worship something. The reason that religious faith is so powerful is that it is rooted in permanent and perpetual principles that go beyond basic personal needs. Youth will inevitably end. Beauty will inevitably fade. Fame will evaporate. Fortune, well, you can't take it with you anyway. Power is always shared and will ultimately be stripped from you. Kingdoms are clay and crowns encrust with furrow weeds. Science might give you the answer to how, but not why. Reason might lead you into moral emptiness. Some of history's worst villains were highly educated. They reasoned themselves into villainy. If these are the things you worship, you will end up with nothing. You will be like a bird of prey, preying upon, but not praying for anything long-lasting. You will prey upon the next meal, the next conquest, and you will be hungry six hours later. You will never have enough. It is our choice whether, whether to pray upon or to pray for. It is our choice whether to worship something that goes beyond our material and physical needs and devote ourselves to a larger cause, to principles that go beyond our self-centered selves. Like peace and tranquility, security and justice where the human hawks of the world lie down with the human squirrels. Each shall sit under vine and tree, and none shall be afraid. It is profoundly distressing to observe America today. We seem angrier, more polarized, more intolerant than in many years. It is profoundly distressing to see our cities erupt in rage and violence. It is profoundly distressing to note that increasingly we are unable to speak with or even understand one another. We're better than that. This campaign has not brought out the best in us. If anything, it has exacerbated tensions and heightened anger. Whoever wins will have the monumental task of restoring a sense of unity and common purpose and civility and tolerance amongst our people. In voting, you should also be thinking about the day after. 
when the enormous damage that we have done to ourselves will need to be healed. Who is better, better able to do that? In this week's Haftarah portion, the prophet Isaiah proclaims these glorious words. shalom. I will appoint peace as your leader. And justice shall be your ruler. Violence shall no longer be heard in the land. Nor ruin and destruction within your borders. Your walls will be walls of salvation. And your gates shall be gates of glory. These are the goals we should be praying for. These are the principles we should be worshiping. Shalom, peace, tzedakah, justice, Yeshua, walls, not of intolerance, but the beckoning beacon of salvation that Isaiah urges us to envision. And Tehillah, gates of glory, opened wide. And that shimmer in the sunlight upon the shining city on the hill. If everyone worships anyway, Try to pray for the permanent and infinite things. Try to pray not only for yourselves, but for others. Try to pray with Isaiah for peace and justice, salvation and glory. And then go out into the world and try and make a difference. That is what we really should be praying for for the energy and the strength and the wisdom to make a difference, that we have made a difference in the world, that we did something that impacted on someone else, that we did something that made us separately and together a little bit better. <laughs>